is Robert Neville. I am a survivor living in New York City. I am broadcasting on all AM frequencies. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. If you are out there, if anyone is out there, I can provide food, I can provide shelter, I can provide security. If there's anybody out there, anybody, please, you are not alone. You know, Hollywood tries to have it both ways on this topic of, of being alone and isolation and loneliness. Um, on one hand, the loner is, is portrayed as someone who's self-sufficient and cool, or they're really intelligent and beautiful. I mean, you know, uh, you don't, they don't need anyone. They're capable. Uh, it's up to our hero to take on a skyscraper full of terrorists, you know, and, and, uh, because no one else can do this. And all the terrorists are armed with submachine guns and rocket launchers and grenades, and, but somehow our hero easily defeats them using only his trusty Swiss Army knife, you know. He sweats bullets, he bleeds profusely, but he never loses his trademark cigar, and he never dies. Or, you know, there's the plot where somewhere in the middle of America, this anonymous librarian discovers a global conspiracy because someone accidentally sends an, an email to her Yahoo account. And so alone, virtually no support, she manages to outwit every government agency, stay one step ahead of the trained army of mercenary killers that are sent to dispatch her, you know, and somehow she saves, gathers all the evidence, saves the world, and then she does, decides she doesn't really have the time for a complicated relationship with that rogue uh, government file clerk that helped her out, so she leaves him brokenhearted and arrives back home just in time to close the library for the day. Right. Hollywood has this thing of sort of taking real people and situations and somehow creating these incredibly unrealistic fantasies. But sometimes Hollywood gets it a little closer to right. Sometimes they take a really wild, unbelievable fantasy, and in the process, they give us a pretty hard look at what's actually true. See, the truth about being alone, being disconnected, being alone is actually painful. It's scary. It's a real-life horror movie. You know, if, if being alone, though, is such a bad thing, like we saw in the, in the clip uh, earlier from, from uh, I Am Legend, if it's such a bad thing, why do we do that? Why do we shut people out? I think sometimes we shut people out because we're hiding something. You know, there's, there's stuff going on in my life that I don't want people to know about. I don't want you to see. You know, maybe... Uh, maybe I'm not doing well at work. Maybe my marriage is in trouble. Maybe I'm, I'm struggling with an addiction or an eating disorder. But I'm too ashamed, too embarrassed, too proud to let you see. And so if I keep you on that side of the door, then my secret's safe. And I don't have to reveal anything. I don't have to risk being embarrassed or being ashamed. Sometimes we keep that door closed because we're trying to protect someone. You know, sometimes we, we've chosen to close the door on relationships and we've chosen to be alone because we've been hurt one too many times. Maybe that person that we thought was always going to be our best friend that we thought we could count on is the one who betrayed us and hurt us so deeply we still haven't recovered from that. Maybe the person that promised to love, honor, and cherish and protect us for, through better or for worse had an affair and left us. And so there's no way we're going to let someone hurt us that badly and that deeply again. Sometimes in a misguided way, we think we're going to be able to help someone else and it, it, we think we can help them. We just don't want anyone to know about their problems. Maybe we have a family member that's struggling with an addiction. 
maybe um, our husband just got fired from his job and, 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 and it's, it's tearing us up inside, but we don't want to share that with anyone because we don't want to embarrass him. Maybe we're in the middle of something that's immoral or illegal and we just don't want anyone to know. I mean, is there a risk in opening that door and allowing people to see inside? Yep, there is. Can I get hurt if I do that? Unfortunately, the answer to that question is yes. But we're not meant to go through life alone. That's the deal. It's not how God designed us. See, we were made to be relational creatures. In Genesis chapter 1, God, uh, the Bible records the origins of everything. You know, in the book of Genesis, it says that in the face of nothing, with just the spoken words, let there be, God created this entire world that you see around us. And after each of God's creations, God stopped and, and kind of evaluated and said, this is good. And then God said, you know what, let's create man in our image. And when he created man, he said, hey, this is, this is, this is really very good. As a matter of fact, in the entire creation account, the only time, there's only one time you ever read of God being disappointed or God being critical of, of his creation. It's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. God saw that there was something lacking in the man that he created, something that Adam needed, desperately needed, that wasn't there. See, God created mankind because God wanted relationships. He didn't want a closed door between us. And because we're created in God's image, we, uh, we want relationships with other people. Even when we're the ones who sometimes close the door and shut people out, and cut ourselves off from others because we want to be safe or we're trying to protect someone, deep down, it's not what we really want. We don't want to be alone. Life is not meant to, to be lived alone or isolated. That's not how we were designed. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's not meant to be lived on this side of the door. So how do, how do we get out of this isolation booth? How do, we, how do we leave isolation behind and sort of walk through the door and embrace relationships and embrace community? The only way we can do that is if, if you and I will take some very brave next steps. One of, those, one of those steps, really the first one that we need to take is to embrace God. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. See, the thing is, God wants a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with you. But there's a door on our heart, and the catch is God actually puts us in control of the doorknob. We control whether or not God is allowed in and whether or not God can have a relationship with us. And so we can choose, we can choose to remain separated from him, sort of isolated and alone with our sin and cut off from him. The problem with being cut off from God is it cuts us off from the source of life. We're cut off from that which gives us physical life and that which lets our soul live. And so all we have to look forward to is being alone and death. Or we can take a step of faith and we can open that door and we can invite him in to our heart, invite him into our life and welcome him in and confess our sin and put our faith in Jesus and, and, and begin community with God. We have the choice to do that. And so if, if we'll do that, if we'll just open the door and allow him in and begin a relationship with him, then all of a sudden now we don't have to be isolated and alone. We can actually do life with God. We can do it together with him. We can have a relationship with him. I, you know, I can hide from all the challenges and fears and problems in life over here. Or I can move from fear to courage. The difference is, when I move over here, I'm no longer relying on myself. What I've done is I've put a faith in God, and now I don't have to fear these challenges and problems and obstacles anymore because I'm not facing them alone. 
I'm doing them in tandem with God. And I'm, I'm doing them relying on his strength and on his power to meet those challenges in my life. The other thing that I need to do, the other step I need to take is, in addition to embracing God, I need to embrace other people. In his letter to a church in Corinth, a guy named Paul wrote, and he, and he wrote this letter talking about the church, and he used an analogy of the human body. And it has an application, direct application to relationships here. Um, he says this in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Okay, so the reality is, I need you, and you need me. That's the reality. See, life, again, life is not meant to be lived alone. Faith can't be practiced in isolation. We, we have to make a decision to move from isolation and being alone to embracing relationships, embracing community. See, I need your encouragement and your help as I live every day. I, I need your encouragement as I try to live my life as a Christ follower. It's very difficult to do that. It's really impossible to do that alone, and I need you. And I need your help to grow stronger in my faith and as I respond to the challenges of life. And you need my help, and you need my encouragement just as much. See, the thing about sin and evil is the thing that gives, gives that power is secrecy. And when I... When, when I'm alone in the dark with all this stuff, it has this incredible grip on my life. It, it keeps me by the throat. But when I open myself up, when I drag that stuff out into the light and out into the open, all of a sudden it begins to lose its power. It no longer has that hold on me anymore, and I can receive help and support. I mean, it's a given that relationships are frustrating and challenging and disappointing, and sometimes relationships are heartbreaking. Of course they are. Because they're, they're all done with imperfect people that have their own baggage. And you're different than me. You're not like me. And, and you can obviously tell I'm way different than you, okay? But you need me. And I need you. That's how we were designed. No one in this room is expendable. There's no one in the body of Christ that we can say, you know what? Our, our church would be better off without them. That's just not true. That's not how God designed it. We can't fully realize all that God has in store for each one of us as long as we're sitting alone on that side of the door. That's not how it works. Our spiritual growth, living out our faith, it's designed to be intertwined with relationships with other people. We have to be willing to walk through the door and leave isolation and to embrace community. So how do we do that? Well, here at LifePoint, there are actually some easy steps uh, to, to belonging, to finding relationships. One of those one of those first steps we'd encourage you to take would be to um, become a part of a life group. And some of you have been wondering, you've been asking about small groups since you got here, and I have to admit, we, we got caught a little bit off guard by the tremendous response uh, on our launch date. And so we've been scrambling behind the scenes, preparing new leaders and getting ready to launch some new groups. And we're going to launch actually uh, a taste of community here in the Wakefield, Wake Forest area beginning May the 11th. And so those groups will run until the end of June, and then we'll take the rest of the summer off 
And then we'll begin again in the fall. We'll redeal with all new groups all over the place for both sites. And those groups will run through the next school year. But if you'd like to find out, if you'd like to discover what a taste of community is like here at LifePoint, I encourage you to just write on your WhatsApp card today, hey, I, I want to I be a part of a life group. Or I, wanna, I want in on that taste of community thing that Darren talked about. Now, let me go one step further. Every group, every small group needs a place to meet. And so if you're willing to have one in your home, you're willing to host one, write that on your WhatsApp card too. And even more, if you're willing to facilitate a small group, we'd love to hear from you as well. Now, that sounds like a big, scary thing. Don't, don't let that intimidate you. If you can read, you can facilitate a group, okay? Because you can work through some, some small group questions. If you can push the play or pause button on your, on your DVD player, how many of y'all can do that? Perfect. See, you can all facilitate a group, okay? Some of our groups use written materials. Some of our groups use video-based stuff, you know. Um, it, it's not rocket science to facilitate a group. You don't have to have all the answers. What you have to do is just take ownership of that group and, and be the one that wants to keep conversation going and be the one that wants to communicate with everybody and, and check up on everybody. That, that's kind of owning a group and facilitating your group. And if that's you, we'd love to hear from you. And just write that on your, on your WhatsApp card. Another way that, that you can easily begin to build relationships here is become a part of a serving team. Um, that is one of the quickest ways to build friendships here is to just join others in a common task. There's no pressure involved. It's, it's real simple. Uh, and I, I know many of you have come here thinking, well, they, they don't need me. They've got it all together. Oh, how little you know about us. Um, every week it's a mad dash trying to get set up for Sundays, and it's a mad dash trying to, to turn this place back into a movie theater by the time we're supposed to be out. And we would love to have your help. There's some very good folks that have, have come over from the Six Forks site to help us get things rolling. And, and the idea there was they would do that temporarily, hoping that some folks would step up from the Wakefield, Wake Forest community and say, this is my church, I'm in. Where can I plug in and where can I help? And, and I'm telling you, now's the time. We'd love to have your help. Um, for my family and I, that's been one of the quickest ways that we've, we've built friendships here. Uh, when we came, my, my, my youngest daughter Danielle and I started helping out on the setup team getting up in an unbelievably early hour, come in on Sunday mornings and set up for things. But, but we have made friends of every age, every demographic, all across the church because of just working together in a common task. It's a lot of fun. And so I encourage you to do that. We need some help and set up Teardown. We definitely need help in the children's area over in FamJam. The, the student ministry needs additional youth workers. There's a place for you. We just need you to say, yeah, put me on the team. And so if that's you, if you're willing to take a next step and you want to pursue some friendships, being part of a serving team, stop by the next steps table uh, today. There's a little thing called a one-step card there. You can just let us know some of the areas that you're interested in serving in, and we'll be in contact with you in the next couple of days. Just drop that off there. And, of course, you know, this is kind of a no-brainer, but another real easy way to, to make friends here at LifePoint is to start showing up at events. Every time you see something promoted in the program, whether it's one of the essentials classes or whether it's a skating thing at Jelly Beans or whether it's um, the Summer Bash that's going to be coming up here in a few weeks, you'll hear more about that beginning next week, or whether it's a, our group is coming together to serve, like in LifePoint in Action. Man, just be right there in the thick of it. Because, again, that's how you meet people, and that's how you make connections all along here. And so we would encourage you to become a part of those groups. Okay, so the reality is that I need you and you need me. And here's the other reality, and that is the world The world needs us. John 17, Jesus has this to say. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. 
people in our world are hurting too much just to accept this Jesus stuff. They're a little jaded. They're a little cynical. Uh, they're a little skeptical. That may just describe some of you sitting in this room. And, and to be quite honest, I, I can't blame you. There's a lot of hurt that's gone around in our world. A lot of people have been disappointed, sometimes by the very people that, that claim to represent Christ, have been sometimes the most hurtful people in your life. So I understand that. But if we're going to be willing to move from isolation and being alone over to the other side and embrace community and to find friendships, then when we, when we do that, it demonstrates to a very skeptical world that this faith thing really works, that Jesus Christ really does change lives, that, that no matter who I am, no matter what I've done, where I've been, I can find a fresh start. There are people that are willing to extend friendship to me that are willing to invest their lives in my life, that are willing to open their lives and allow me to invest in them. But it doesn't happen until we take that step and walk through that door. Author Henry Nouwen wrote this about community. It says, community is like a large mosaic. Each little piece seems so insignificant. As individual stones, we can do little with them except compare them and judge their beauty and value. When, however, all these little stones are brought together in one big mosaic, portraying the face of Christ, who would ever question the importance of any one of them? If one of them, even the least spectacular one, is missing, the face is incomplete. Together in the one mosaic, each little stone is indispensable and makes a unique contribution to the glory of God. That's community, a fellowship of little people who together make God visible in the world. Man, it's so true, isn't it? Well, it was the... uh, area little league championship game and the stands were packed with the families of the players and one little one little nine-year-old guy named Carl was so excited about this game and so excited about the chance to play he'd invited his entire extended family to come and he he brought quite an entourage with him he brought his mom and his dad and and uh, a grandpa and a grandma and three sets of of aunts and uncles all to watch him play and the game had turned into a real nail-biter it was the bottom of the seventh inning and the bases were loaded and there were two outs and guess who was up to bat? It was Carl. And, and man, he, he found himself at bat, and he knew that if he struck out, his team would lose, and, and, and it would be his fault. But if he got a hit, or if he even walked, then his team would win, and he'd be the hero. Talk about a little pressure for a nine-year-old guy. So the pitcher wound and, and fired a ball at the plate, and Carl swung like a major leaguer and missed. Strike one. Well, the as the other team cheered, and, and, but Carl's family cheered even louder. It's okay, Carl. You'll get the next one. Just keep your eye on the ball. You're doing great. The pitchers threw another ball. Carl swung. Strike two, said the umpire. Pandemonium broke out. Carl's family was trying to cheer and encourage him, but the other team was yelling even louder. It was so crazy you could hardly hear yourself think. But as the next pitch left the mound, it got very quiet. It seemed like it took the ball forever for, the plate, for, for it to cross the plate. This nine-year-old boy swung again, dug deep and swung again. Strike three. You're out. Not only was Carl out, but the game was over. And he was the reason for the loss. Well, the winning team poured out onto the field with their families. They were jumping around and laughing and celebrating and handing out high fives and back slaps, and Carl's team walked silently back to their cars. 
They wanted to leave the stadium as quickly as possible. His whole team was gone, and Carl just stood at home plate, his head down, tears of frustration and shame kind of rolling down his cheeks. He just stood there for a long time, and all of a sudden you heard a voice say, Carl, Carl, play ball. He startled, he looked up, and saw his whole family had spread out all over the field. Grandpa was on the pitcher's mound. Dad was behind him in the catcher's position. Mom was at first base. Uncle David was on second. The rest of the family was spread out everywhere. Grandpa said again, Carl, play ball. Carl reluctantly picked up his bat and kind of kind of got in position. Grandpa threw the first pitch, and Carl missed. As a matter of fact, Carl missed the next five pitches. But on the seventh pitch, he swatted that ball into the left field, and everybody started scrambling. They yelled, run, Carl. Carl headed for first base, and, and they got the ball and threw it to first base, but somehow first baseman mom must have lost the ball in the sun because it went through her hands and rolled into the dugout. Somebody yelled, run, Carl, keep running. He ran to the, ran to the base and headed to second. Mom found the ball and, and threw it to second base, but I guess the sun was in Uncle David's eyes too because somehow the ball went through his hands and he lost it. Run, Carl, run. As Carl was headed for third base, the ball was thrown, and it went about two feet over the third baseman's head. Carl kept running towards home, and all of a sudden now the catcher was blocking home plate. And the ball was thrown with deadly accuracy. But just as Carl reached home plate, somehow that ball bounced in and out of the catcher's glove, and Carl was safe. Before he knew it, he'd been picked up and sat on Uncle David's shoulders, and everybody crowded around, cheering his name, chanting his name, carrying him around like a hero. One bystander that watched that scene unfold told a friend later, said, you know, today I watched a little boy fall victim to a conspiracy of grace. Now, isn't that what community is supposed to be? A conspiracy of grace? I mean, no matter how badly the game of life is going, no matter how badly you've screwed it up, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there are a group of people that are rooting for you. And their words and their actions and their presence remind you of God's grace. And a group of people who are constantly saying, hey, play ball. Play ball. Don't, don't quit on your marriage. We want to help. We're going to sort this financial mess out. We're going to help you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Hey, you know what? Can we help you move? I, I, you know what? I, I struggle with the same issues. Let's Let's see if we can encourage each other and work through this stuff together. Yeah, you know, this is not much, but after what your family's been through this week, I thought maybe you guys would just, could use a hot meal. And so, here you go. You know what? I've struggled trying to adjust to a new baby in the house, too. And so, I'll tell you what, um, this afternoon, let me watch the baby and you go have some sanity time. Take a nap, go to the movie, I don't care. But just get lost for a couple hours. Or, you know what? I don't have words here. I'm just going to be here. If you want to cry, I'm going to cry with you. If you just want to be quiet, I'll be quiet too. But I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I care about you. See, the only way to experience this conspiracy of grace is to take some brave next steps through this door. So today, let me encourage you. Take some steps. Begin with a, with a, a life group or join a serving team or just participate in the next event, but leave isolation over there where it belongs and come to this side and embrace community, embrace some friendships. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for um, your love for us, for how you've modeled just unity and oneness and how you've designed us to, to seek relationships. And I pray that today that you would help us take a, a risk, take a brave step, and, and to look for community, to look for friendships here in this place. I pray that you would help those of us who um, are a part of this church to keep an open chair, to keep an open heart, to, to be on the lookout for folks that are trying to connect, and to be willing to take a risk as well, to, to meet them halfway, and to extend a, a hand to open our hearts to them as well. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have because of him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.